It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last just... Down Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, and good morning, everyone. I'm Cassie Weenus, registered dietitian and nutrition counselor. Before we get into our topic this morning, since I left the house super early, I have yet to say good morning to my two biggest fans, Riley and Marissa. I know they're listening, so good morning, kids. This show today is for you and your growing minds, and for all the parents listening that want to do the best for their children. Our topic this Saturday is one of my very favorites, and that is how best to feed your child's brain. And joining me in studio this morning is Tamara Brown. Tamara is a registered dietitian and also has her master's in public health. And Tamara's never in one place very long. She sees clients in St. Paul. She sees clients in Woodbury. She sees clients in White Bear Lake. And she recently started doing grocery store tours. So, man, you really are everywhere. And also in studio, and in my opinion, an expert on Mm -hmm. today's topic is Mary Hauge. Mary first became acquainted with us years back when she brought one of her children in to see Dar. And Dar made such a huge difference in her family's life that it inspired Mary to come and train with us. And she's now one of our most popular teachers on staff. So... Welcome, Mary. Welcome, Tamara. Thanks, Cassie. I'm super excited to be here because today we're talking about a really important and very relevant topic for our society. Yep. And um, this is Mary. (laughs) I'm excited to be here as well. Um, I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 12, almost 13-year-old, which means Ooh. I am heading into a life with three teenagers. Watch out. Um, yeah, and without good food choices, let me tell you, that road could be very rocky. And and really, that's the reason I came to DAR in the first place is because I just did not know what to do um, with my oldest daughter who was having so many issues. And they all stemmed from food, which is what I understood. And so... Um, I took it on as my personal responsibility as her mother to um, educate her, but first to educate myself Mm -hmm. about what I needed to do for her and for my other two children. And it has worked like a charm and it has changed all of our lives. Um, And so that's why I'm here. And, you know, when you and I talked a couple of days ago and, and, you know, we briefly were saying we're going to be on radio together and you said to me, the first thing you thought of when you saw the title, Feeding Your Child's Brain, you thought of, what do I not yep. feed my I child's not? brain? And, you know, that to me is even as important as what I give them Absolutely. because getting rid of those trans fats, first of all, no French fries, um, no soda pop in our house, uh, no cereal, which would shock a lot of people. But yeah. those were the first three steps I took um, in reading labels, no high fructose corn syrup. And boy, just with those three, four basic things, um, life changing. Made a world of difference. Yeah. 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 And I think today we should start out talking about the fats um, and kind of what fats do we not feed our kids and and what fats should you not feed our kids? Because when you look at a child's brain, 60 to 70% of that brain matter is fat. So fat is a very important component of a healthy brain. But we need to be careful not to feed 
the bad crusty fats. That's right. And if you are um, feeding your children brains um, with bad fat, you're going to get a brain that doesn't function very well. They're not going right. to think very clearly. And so it is about good fats and and getting those in and really making a very solid brain development for your kids at whatever ages they are. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And as I've started to do the grocery store tours, I've actually been really surprised to find that many people aren't aware of all the bad fats that are out there. Yep. And there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them. Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier with the trans fats, I think that may be coming more apparent in society, but many people still are unaware about the very processed fats that can also be harmful. Yeah, you know, and I hate to admit this, but I didn't know what the complete list of bad fats was until I began work here three and a half years ago. And I'd been a dietitian nine years before I came on board at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, but it was not something I was taught in college in any of my food and nutrition courses. Yeah, and you know, as a teacher, um, people are often surprised when we pull up that list of these fats you should stay away from because there's things on there that they were taught were probably okay, vegetable oil, corn oil, canola oil, soybean oil. And it's not that, um, you know, they just don't understand that they're bad, but why are they bad? Well, they're bad because they don't start with a product that is very oily to begin with. Right. And so a lot of really um, harsh processing has to go into that kernel of corn or that soybean in order to get that oil out. It's not like an olive where you can just squeeze it. In fact, one of my students said, um, we made olive oil in my daughter's preschool class. We just oh, had the kids. Activity. Yes, we just had the kids squeeze some olives. And we got olive oil, and that's the thing is olive oil is like that because it's oily. And these other ones, they have to do all kinds of degumming and defoaming and bleaching and high heat and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And then you end up with a product that is very um, low in nutrients, no nutrients. Yeah, damaged. Damaged chemical makeup. You know, and I really tell my students at Weight and Wellness, we want even the smallest component of your food to be healthy and nourishing. Mm-hmm. And that gets down to your fat because, mm-hmm. you know, in volume, that is the smallest component yep. um, that you're eating. And so we even want that to be healthy. You know, as I was doing some research for the show today, it brought back memories of college courses. And I remember being taught, you know, similar to the things you're hearing, Mary, from your students. I was taught in college that canola oil was great uh-huh. for your health. And that vegetable oils were certainly better than butter or lard because they were cholesterol-free. And I didn't question any of those things because that's what my professors were telling me. And so I took it for fact. Now, in hindsight, I know we have to question every bit of nutrition information or research we're given, even if it's from our college professors, because you have to realize, you know, I think it was back in the 70s and certainly before then when most of the research done was done in an independent university. There wasn't that opening for a biased spin. Today's research, upwards of 80% of today's research is funded by either a big food company or a pharmaceutical company. And not to say that's bad research. I'm glad that somebody's out there with the dollars because we need research. But there still could be a biased twist. And so you really have to read that type of research carefully. Um, So again, it's not that canola 
is necessary necessarily a bad seed, right? Or the the seed that canola oil comes from. Exactly. Exactly, Cassie. That's a great point. So the research may show that indeed the seed that canola oil is made from contains healthy fat, but there's not enough information out there to tell us about all the processing that right. the seed must go through. And, you know, for those of you listening at home, if you walked to your pantry right this minute um, and you looked at the ingredient label, you can't just look at what it says, no trans fat on the front, but really look at the ingredient label. If it lists soybean oil, cottonseed oil, canola oil, um, those kind of oils, unless they say they're unrefined or expeller pressed, those are damaged oils. And then you are really feeding your brain and your family's brain damaged fat. And that just um, is not nutritionally sound uh, thing to do. So we really want you to take a look at what you're eating and think about what's going into your kids. And I think a lot of people realize that, I think a lot of people realize that partially hydrogenated oils, hydrogenated oils, those are the trans fats. So hopefully a lot of our listeners are looking for that. But exactly, Mary, you got to go beyond that. Now it's time to take the next step and get the soybean oil and the cottonseed oil and those things out of your cupboard. Absolutely. And actually, interestingly, finally, the American Heart Association has come forward and said that one gram of manufactured trans fat is too much, Mm -hmm. essentially meaning no trans fats is what our body needs. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, you know, like I said, a lot of products say zero trans fats on the front. And yes, we'd like to believe that, but when you look at the label and you find those in there, you have to ask yourself, well, if it says zero trans fat on the front, then why is it listed in the ingredients? Um, It's listed because these companies are allowed to put a half a gram per serving and still call it zero, which doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem right. No, but that's the way it is. And if you are eating many products in a day that have that half a gram per serving, you are getting, um, you know, that we know in up. some cases people are eating 40 grams. Yes. That's. Yeah, because they're not watching. Well, so. and go through the drive through and you're really racking oh. up your numbers <laughs> and then you go home. Yeah. And that's eat some right. of the junk in your cupboard. It doesn't take long to get up to those 40 grams and think of what that's doing to your health. Yeah. It is time already for our first break, ladies. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, a company specializing in building better brain health. Before we break, I do want to let listeners know that DAR will be teaching a new class titled The Food Connection to ADD and ADHD coming up the end of this month and then again in March. So stay with us and we'll give you more details. And if you want to join our conversation today, call the studio at 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Mary Hauge, nutrition educator and mother of three. And I'm here this morning with Cassie Weenus and Tamara Brown, both registered dietitians. And before I go any further, I have to say good morning to my wonderful Chanhassen class, who I promised I would say good morning to if they listen this morning. A little bribery goes a long way. <laughs> there you go. That's um, your weight and wellness. You're teaching the weight and wellness series. That's the weight and wellness series. Yeah, we are in our last week coming up. So it'll be sad again to say goodbye. Yes. But they've made wonderful changes and they're a great group. Wonderful. So our topic this morning, if you're just joining us, is feeding your child's brain, um, which is always on the top of my list. Um, 
And that only makes sense that we want to give you more details on one of our newest classes. And this class is titled uh, The Food Connection to ADD and ADHD, and it is being taught um, on February 27th in Woodbury by the one and only Darlene Cavist. And she doesn't um, teach all that much anymore, she does so not. take advantage. Oh, my gosh. And she is just it's fabulous. It's a treat to it, get Dar. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, incredible. It'll be well worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's teaching with another educator, Angela, and the class is on a Saturday, February 27th, and it runs from 10 a.m. to noon. Um, and the same class, the Food Connection to ADD and ADHD, is being taught by Dar and Angela again on March 3rd from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in our Wyzetta office. Um, to learn more or to sign up, you can go to our website, which is weightandwellness.com, or call the office 651-699-3438. And I believe the cost of the two-hour class is just $25. So She gives it away, doesn't it, she? Pretty much. Yep. I mean, she's she is phenomenal. Yes. Let's take some callers before we get back into the topic. Let's see... Line one, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, Julie. Hi. <clears throat> Thank you so much for uh, the great information. This is a great topic. Um, I have a question. I'd like to make baked sweet potato fries for my daughter. Yes. And I'm wondering about the best oil to bake with <clears throat> because I, I <clears throat> bought some organic sunflower oil because it said high heat, but I don't know if that's a good one or if there's a better one to bake things in the oven with. Yeah, I'll take this one, Cassie. Um Yes, you know, that one is pretty good. Does it say it's expeller-pressed? It does, yeah. Yep, and that it would be fine. And um, you can even, for a treat, throw some rosemary on those. It's fabulous. And some garlic. Maybe put some on your side. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, we've done cinnamon, too. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. For I mean, sure. sweet potato. You know, that's one way my kids do get fries is the ones I bake at home. We don't buy them in a and restaurant. they're delicious. Or, yeah, they are, and they just go crazy over them. So, yeah, expeller-pressed, excuse me, sunflower oil would be great. Great question. Great. One more quick question. Sure. If I'm marinating meat in an Mm. organic salad dressing and then I bake it or grill it, is that damaging then with the fats? I think that's okay. Okay. Yeah. The only time we really worry, I think, about oil is if you're doing it on a stovetop and it, you know, gets to a frying sort of a temperature like that. You never want your oil to smoke. Um, That would be damaging it. Good to know. Thank you so much. Great. Keep doing what you're doing. Okay, we have a caller on line two, Taliba. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I just turned the the radio on after I finished my workout, so I didn't realize I I wasn't uh, questioning the people from last week until after uh, I called. But I was wondering about... um, well, let me quick say, if you please re- restate that uh, date and, and website and phone number. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But then I, I was wondering, they were talking last week about the nutritional benefits of of some particular vegetables to eat uh, and, and ways to get them in. And one of my problems, I'm trying to lose weight, and I have uh, used to have a big problem with eating breakfast. So they were talking about just gently sauteing some some vegetables, but they were given the nutrition benefit to some of them. One of them, which I hate, is but Brussels sprouts. <laughs> but I was trying to figure out how to how to figure out the nutrition benefits of some particular vegetables. And then, um, oh shoot, the other color. Oh, and then what's when you're buying your oils? The other color made me think of this. 
you know, how how do you know, like, I, I get a lot of stuff that's cold pressed, and you were saying expeller pressed. So yep. is yep. there... No, you're doing great. Expeller pressed and cold pressed are the actually same the thing. same thing. So <laughs> you're time. you're doing good there. Okay. Um, you know, in terms of vegetables, I'm going to let the other gals um, jump in if they want to too. But I think the best thing when you're doing vegetables to keep it simple is go for a lot of different color throughout the week. Okay. So if you can okay. get some greens and some reds and some yellows, you know, and not try to memorize what any specific vegetable provides because all of those for your overall health are going to be great. More color means more nutrients. And in terms of weight loss, vegetables are great because they help fill you up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they're great for all of us because they have a ton of anti-aging properties. So I think, I think that's the best route. Mary, do you have any? Well, the only thing I could say is um, in our classes, we teach, which vegetables to kind of put a limit on. And the mm-hmm. big one would be white potatoes. Um, yeah. Beets is another one. Um, oh. Carrots, surprisingly, carrots have kind of a high sugar content. So those things just use in moderation. And if you're going to have some of that, also have a nice dark leafy green alongside, and that will help get some more yeah. fiber in um, and, you know, just be more nutritious for you. Okay. Great now, point. I'm trying to avoid spending money on a on a weight loss clinic or anything. So I, I've been taught over the years that eating more when you're trying to lose weight in terms of eating several meals a day instead of, you know, skipping meals and that kind of thing is uh, is uh, better. And that just in my brain just doesn't seem, uh, <laughs> seem right. So what do you think of in that? Well, you know, we see it time and again in the office that people will come in and they're at this plateau, they're struggling with weight loss, and then we ask, well, what's a typical day's eating for you? And they're just not feeding their metabolism. Okay. And if you, you know, try to just eat three meals a day and no snacks in between, it's going to catch up to you at some point and your body finally says, wait a minute, I don't know when she's going to feed me next. I'm just going to hold on to all these fat stores because I might need them. So you do really need to feed your metabolism. Um, I've often have ladies had ladies come back to me after starting our plan and say, you know what, I'm eating more than I ever was and the pounds are melting off. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all about choosing real foods and really feeding your metabolism by eating every three hours. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to go raw and, uh, and do this. And basically with me, it's just that I feel better. When I when I'm eating um, less meat and more of a vegetarian, I, I kind of get two o'clock in the morning. I get sick when I'm eating meat, although I do like like it. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to do the weight loss and go raw at the same time, and I'm running into some challenges, but I'm gonna make it. Okay. Well, you just yeah, don't give up. Hang in there, and thank you for listening this morning. And we have another caller. We're, we're going to take one more, and then it'll probably be time for a break. But we have Colleen on line three. Welcome, Colleen. Hi, thank you. I just had a question. I was really interested. You were talking about healthy fats. And I have a son that's 18 months old, and I've been giving him all high-fat dairy, like whole milk and whole yogurt, because I thought that those fats were good for his brain. So I guess my question is, is that true? And how long should you give your child full-fat dairy? So, mm-hmm. You're just itching to answer this. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, 
My answer to that is forever. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Forever. Um, yeah, because, you know, and especially when they're that little, their brains are growing rapidly and it doesn't change when they're teenagers and they need so much brain food to get them through. I mean, I have a senior in high school, a freshman in high school and a seventh grader and the amount of information they're absorbing on a regular basis. They need those full fats. Really. Oh, remember, 60 to 70 percent oh. of that brain is fat. So if it's an organic full fat, you can be assured you are just feeding that brain some of the best food you can. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we're not talking about eating a stick of butter. Um, right. We're talking about one to two tablespoons of really good, wholesome fat with every meal and snack. And, you know, I think anybody would agree that that's not an enormous amount of fat, and yet it does so much good for their brains. A little goes a long way. Yep. Does that help? Yeah, so stick with the whole milk and... Absolutely. Okay. We, You know, our family recently went dairy-free, but before we did, I was doing the whole milk, probably yeah. in your house, Mary, and Tamara, and ho- absolutely whole fat yeah. yogurt. Yeah, Cottage that's... cheese, everything, you know. That, that's the so healthy much. stuff. Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay, we are getting ready for a break. So um, those were some great questions. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition. If you have already taken our six-week weight and wellness course, but you feel like you need a refresher and a chance to recommit to your health, we have a new series for our weight and wellness way graduates called Living the Weight and Wellness Way. And Tamara is going to tell you more when we return. And if you have questions for us related to the topic, call us at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Tamara Brown, registered dietitian. I'm here this morning with Mary Haugi, mother of three, and nutrition educator for nutritional weight and wellness, and Cassie Weenis, registered dietitian. When we went to break, Cassie mentioned our new Living the Weight and Wellness Way that is being offered to all those who have already completed the six-week weight and wellness series. This new series of classes for our graduates provides what we call success builders to help you remove roadblocks to healthy eating and to help you manage stress and incorporate balanced eating into your personal real-life scenarios. So do come and reestablish nutrition as a priority because you're worth it. The next series starts Wednesday, March 3rd in St. Paul. It is an eight-week course, and it runs from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. For more information on this class or for any of our other classes or to sign up, please visit our website and at weightandwellness.com or call the St. Paul office at 651-699-3438. So kind of getting back to our topic about feeding your child's brain, um, we all know that schools may not um, have the best choices for your children when it comes to um, either lunch menus or a la carte options or whatever it happens to be. Um, and and my big stance on this whole school thing, because we are going to talk a little bit about an article that came out in the, in the New, York, New Times. York Times. Is that what it was this week? Um, about the Obama administration wanting to legislate um, the ban on basically junk, junk food, food in our schools, which I'm all for getting um, junk food candy bars I mean, there are schools that have these machines or they have carts that that 
go up and down the hallways for the kids to come out and buy things that would not help them think better in school, no. not help them learn better in school, feed their brain the wrong kind of fats. They're going to lack focus. Um, and I do believe it is important to get those things out of our schools. Um, I'm just not so sure there needs to be a law about it. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line for me is it needs to start at home and the parents need to take responsibility in educating themselves when they see a problem and then educating their children when mm-hmm. they see a problem. Yeah, you know, we were discussing this in the break room before the radio started, and I, I was reading that New York Times article earlier this week and and was kind of gung-ho thinking, you know, go Michelle, yeah, let's get this junk food out. But Mary brought up a really good point in the break room that, you know, you, you kind of go down a slippery slope yeah. if you let the federal government in, because where does it stop? Because there is a lot of misinformation, as you were saying before we started the show, Mary, you know, and and what are they going to do next? Are they going to say no butter because they think that's bad? Right. And And she was saying, you know, skim milk in the schools, which we don't believe in. You know, if they could have someone like Dar write the legislation. Exactly. (laughs) And say, you know, this is true nutrition, but see, we don't know where their nutrition really is coming from yep. Yep. and, and base, who's sponsoring right. some of the information that they have their hands on yeah you know there's big dollars out there and and money to be made by getting oh your food gosh. in the school system yes, so for sure <clears throat> but there was tomorrow you talk a little bit about what this article in the new york times about the federal effort to push junk food out of schools weren't they talking about this this school i think in california which to me would be a healthier state but were the secretaries pushing the car yeah, up and down? Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, basically, the article was talking about a you know push cart being wheeled out into the hallway by the school secretary. Three times a day. Yes, not once, twice, but three times a day full of just some examples, Pop-Tarts, Skittles, Reese's peanut butter cups. And basically, the craziest part was that the secretary can barely keep up with the demand from the students. This is a moneymaker for this school. And when I read that, it really, I am not exaggerating, it made me sick to my stomach. I mean, we are killing our kids. It is no wonder that a third of our kids are overweight in this country, which is double the amount of overweight kids in the 1980s. And it's no wonder our kids will be the first generation not to have a life expectancy as long as ours. You know, and if you look at it, those vending machines and maybe that candy cart is funding something very important. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't they offer healthy choices on Mm -hmm. there? You know, um, on the snack cart we have at our school, we offer oranges, apples, bananas, yogurt, string cheese, Mm -hmm. as well as some things that, you know, are questionable, Cheez-Its. You know, things like that. But why couldn't they turn it over into something that actually feeds these kids instead of making them more hyper? They're not able to concentrate. Those teachers have to deal with the struggles of, you know, the emotional behavior because of this. Um, Wouldn't it be better for everybody if they Mm -hmm. just advocated real wholesome food? Yeah. And I want you now, I'm remembering you telling me about a, a, child that you came across in the school and had some behavior issues and what you figured out there. This little guy um, was having meltdowns on a regular basis. And um, because Mary works, I work in a school, in a school kitchen. And um, he has a para 
um, following him around. And so one day he was on the hallway floor melting down. And I um, said to the pair, ask him what he had for breakfast. And so she looked at him and said, "Um, what did you have for breakfast? And he said, Cheetos. Oh, and I went, okay, there's the problem. And she said, what? And so I really do use my nutrition education to educate others who I think can help. And so I said to her, you know, he already has an emotional problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has autism or ADD. I'm not sure what it is. But I said, feeding him those kind of chemicals in those Cheetos is making that problem worse. Mm -hmm. And this is why you're dealing with this. And so Mm -hmm. from that day on, when she would come to the lunch line, she'd say, what should I feed him? And I'd say, you know... Get him the protein, and if he eats nothing else, make sure he's eating the protein. And at our school, we serve real butter. And because I'll say, and I, we also have Lakewind's organic bread. Oh, I love Fabulous. That. And so I say to her, you know, give him the fat, give him the meat. You know, don't give him the canned fruit with high fructose corn right. syrup. Maybe grab him an apple or an orange and just really concentrate on that. And she came back to me one day, and she said, it's made all the difference in the world. Just... Those choices and see, you know, that's my example of if your child knows they can make decent choices or if you educate Mm -hmm. whoever's taking care of them, Mm -hmm. they can make decent choices. But left on their own when I was a kid, well, exactly not those things. Right. Right. And that's why we that's why kids have parents (laughs) to help them make the right decisions. Yeah, it's not always easy. And the kids sometimes get mad at you. But you know what? This is my house and I have to deal with your behavior. So I do think I should have a say in what's going into your body and into your brain. Yep, absolutely. Um, You know, and I want to get into you you talk about those. what, What did he have? Cheetos? He had a big bag of Cheetos, and then and that's what his snack was as well that day. So for breakfast and for his first morning snack, it was a, a big old bag of Cheetos. And, you know, and maybe the parents were in a hurry. I hope that's not on a regular basis. Uh, but Even with, if I was in a hurry, I am With his behavior, sorry. yeah. I mean, with his behavior, those things should really not even be brought into the household. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just has that much of a, an issue where his brain can't function on that. And those things just turn to sugar. And I think that's maybe where we should start talking next. You know, we've talked a lot about the bad fats and you certainly want to get the trans fats, the partially hydrogenated oils, the hydrogenated oils out of your house if you truly want to feed your child's brain. Um, And then we talked about the damaged soybean oil, canola oil, those types of things. But what about cold cereal or Cheetos or Doritos? Right. You know, bagels, um, the typical pancake or waffle just spikes that blood sugar, and that's not doing anything for the brain either. And so we're going to get into that more in a bit when we come back, but it is time for a break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before we go to break, I do want to let you know that if you have kids that are picky eaters, if you have kids that that are junk food lovers, if you have kids with mood swings, awful asthma attacks, or trouble with attention span, We have some hope for you. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is offering a class for parents that will help you help your kids to develop eating patterns that will serve them well now and throughout life. So stay tuned for more information. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. When we went to break, Cassie mentioned a class for parents that will help you help your kids to develop better eating habits. 
That class is titled Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids. This is an information-packed two-hour class that helps you replace fast food and processed foods with simple, nutritious meals and snacks to curb sugar cravings, balance moods, and increase energy and focus in your kids. And if you have kids suffering from a lot of asthma attacks, this class will likely help provide some relief. It is being taught in three locations in the upcoming weeks. On February 25th, it is being taught in Eden Prairie. On March 11th, you can take Foods to Build Happy Focus Kids in Maple Grove. And on March 18th, the class is in Invergrove Heights. At each of these three locations, it is being taught from 7 to 9 p.m. For registration information, visit our website at weightandwellness.com or call the office at 651-699-3438. So getting back to our topic, and um, we're going to jump just a little bit back to fat before we move on. Um, But we want to talk about good fats. And um, wouldn't you guys agree that all good fats are not created equal? Absolutely, Mary. I know we've already talked a lot about the fact that the brain is between 60 to 70% fat. But we haven't yet mentioned that the majority of that fat should be in the form of DHA. And what DHA is, is it's a component of the omega-3 oils. It's actually made from marine algae or um, algae in the form of what a chicken would get if they were in a pasture. Right. Um, And as you said, Tamara, it should make up the majority of the fat in your child's brain. Now, you know, a lot of people hear us say fish oil and they think, well, that's the only place they can get it. Probably not enough Minnesotans are eating enough fish or feeding their kids enough fish to get enough DHA into that brain. Now, come on, Cassie. We can't just limit this conversation to people in Minnesota because we now have over 10,000 listeners on iTunes. That's right. Wow. I forget we have listeners all across the nation. Um, And I still need to subscribe, and I'm going to do that yet this year. (laughs) But you know what? I bet most Americans, no matter what state they're living in, are not feeding their children enough fish because of the risk of mercury and lead contamination. Well, and if you're like my oldest child, uh, she will not eat fish no matter what shape or form it comes in. And that includes um, the traditional fish oil pills. So what she takes every morning is the DHA, which is an algae-based form. And and it's smaller. It's smaller, and then she doesn't burp up fish and, you know, whatever. Life is good. Yeah, and, you know, what better way to feed her brain? Yep, and I give, and I that's great, you know, if your your child is refusing anything fishy, but um, <laughs> I give my kids cod liver oil, which works great for a two and a four year old, and because I take they that. just swallow it. Yeah, yes, I, I take the cod liver oil, and you know, it's lemon flavored. It's not nasty or. Actually, my two-year-old always asks for a second spoonful. Yeah, (laughs) because it's not the cod liver oil of days past. No. They've deodorized it. Like Mary said, it's it's lemon-flavored, and you get that DHA in there. And another tasty food item besides fish, besides cod liver oil that contains DHA, is organic egg yolks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, one organic egg yolk, especially if it's a grass-fed from a grass-fed chicken, can contain up to 100 milligrams of DHA per yolk. You know, and and I think this is really because fat is such a hot topic. Um, it was for me. I ate no fat before I came to Weight and Wellness. Now I eat tons of fat, but my students are often afraid to eat fat. So we really need to talk about how much fat 
they should be eating on a regular basis, and how much fat do we feed our kids? Exactly. And as you know, Mary, not just for brain function, but for a healthy metabolism and a healthy immune system as well, kids need at least one tablespoon of added healthy fat at every meal and every snack. Or if you're doing something like nuts as your added fat, do about a quarter of a cup. Right. And so if you're thinking about putting this information into a couple snack ideas, um, the right amount of healthy fat would be a couple of slices of organic deli turkey, maybe spread with a tablespoon of cream cheese. I would throw some apples in there. I've had grapes in there, raspberries in there. I mean, that's a fabulous thing thing to roll up um, for kids. You can take those easily in a lunchbox. Um, you know, I brought those a, today in my lunch oh, bag. Oh, yeah, and and two of us at my home are gluten-free, and I think Cassie's whole entire family is gluten-free, which yeah. means then no bread products. And so using things like deli meat that is nitrate-free and preservative-free makes almost the equivalent of a sandwich because you can roll things into there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another snack um, that most kids love is just do a piece of string cheese, a half of a banana, and about a quarter cup raw almonds. All right, ladies. Do we have time to quickly chat about the benefits of animal protein for a healthy brain? Of course. You know, one of my favorite things is protein. Um, my kids were not getting nearly enough protein. And let me tell you, protein gives them energy. It does not make them feel dragged down like many carbohydrates will do. Um, and so one of the big things that I had to do uh, to change the sluggishness in my son um, to help my daughter develop good muscle tone and my other one even out her moods was to get in some good protein on a regular basis. And pretty much that means every time they picked up something to eat, they would have the good protein, the good fat, and then the good carbohydrate, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, isn't it amazing the value of eating high-quality animal protein? I remember a couple different times when I've come down from from the bedroom upstairs and the kids are just screaming you know, and I'm trying to get ready for work and I and my husband is, you know, the one looking out for them while, while I'm getting ready and I'm like, what did you give them for breakfast? Well, they haven't eaten yet or, you know, or else it was something high carb and I'm like, protein, let's yeah. break out the protein. And I bet some people listening don't realize that animal protein provides the building blocks for focus, for good moods, even to some degree for our level of self-esteem. Yeah, and... You know, that was surprising to me when I first went in to see Dar about my daughter that um, I had no idea that good protein could make such a difference um, in all my children's lives and even in my my life. And, you know, as a mother, our job is so extremely important, um, not only just to teach our kids, um, to raise them to be respectful and to be law-abiding citizens. Um, but feeding those little bodies, it's a daunting task. And mm-hmm. to just focus on the three core components, some good animal protein, some good fat in the form of nuts, avocado, olive oil, butter, and then the really good carbohydrates are vegetables and a couple smaller fruits a day. And Really, right there, you have the building blocks for really healthy, happy, and very smart kids. Absolutely. The magic number is three, right? Protein, carbs, and fat, just what what, um, Mary just said. That's right. Absolutely. And if you're wondering how it is that animal protein plays a role in our moods, focus, and self-esteem, the reason is because we need animal protein 
to make neurotransmitters, or what we sometimes call our brain chemicals. Right. Animal protein provides those building blocks for serotonin, for dopamine, and for all of the other 75-plus brain chemicals that keep us in a good mood, that keep us focused at the task at hand, and that can increase our self-esteem. So just for a minute, let's talk about what we mean by animal protein, because I know this often comes up in my class, and people are often shocked um, that they can eat, you know, protein five or six times a day. So let's talk about what we mean by really good animal protein. You know, it's something I always tell my clients, and this might sound cheesy, but I grew up watching Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> and that really helped me when I first started here because the fats especially was hard for me. I was always big on protein, but I just thought to myself, what would Little House on the Prairie have had? Because that had to have been yeah. real food. And so that's what I tell my clients. Think about Little House on the Prairie. Would they have had American cheese? No, that's a man-made, very processed cheese. But they would have had real cheese made from fresh cow's milk. Right. And, um, you know, Chuck and Caroline, they were my favorite family growing up. Um, They wouldn't have chicken McNuggets, um, but they probably would have a real chicken. You know, you could have imagined that running around. I don't know where chicken nuggets would run around, but... (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) So... What we mean by real animal proteins, cheese, chicken, beef, eggs, those are all example, examples of real animal proteins. And you need to be eating those four to five different times throughout the day, kids and adults. We need these to build our brain chemicals. But again, driving through the drive through and ordering the nuggets, the chicken nuggets, doesn't count. Did you know that the ingredient list for chicken nuggets is more than 40 ingredients long. There is nothing real about that. You know, and it's not surprising. And when they put them in little cute dinosaur shapes, uh, kids really go for that as well. And it's just the wrong thing to be feeding them. But you know what? On our website, we have a delicious recipe for, um, are they called chicken fingers on on the website maybe? But you can cut them into nuggets. Um, And I've done that for my kids. And then you can... Dip them in, you know, mayonnaise or something. Dipping is always more fun. So get back to the basics. Feed those kids real food. We need to feed our kids well. They are our future.